0: Hello, and welcome to Conversations at the Washington Library, a podcast about early American history and the people who teach it. In this week's episode, Mount Vernon's president and CEO, Douglas Bradburn, sits down with Russell Shorto, author of Revolution Song, A Story of American Freedom. Gentle reminder, we still have tickets available for the Michelle Smith Lecture Series. Uh, You can still buy single tickets for, for each lecture, and the next lecture is April 12th, Uh, featuring John Rode Hamill, author of George Washington, The Wonder of the Age. If you don't follow uh, our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud, uh, please be sure to do so. Uh, And as a special treat, if you share this podcast episode uh, on social media and link us at GW Books, uh, we will throw your name into a competition to win a signed copy of Mr. Shorto's book. And without further ado, Doug Bradburn and Russell Shorto.
1: Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm Doug Bradburn, the president and CEO of George Washington's Mount Vernon, Mount, Vernon, Mount Vernon, Virginia. And I'm delighted to have with me today Russell Shorto, who's here to talk about many things, about himself, of course, but his latest book as well, Revolution Song, A Story of American Freedom. Welcome to Mount Vernon, Russell. Doug, thank cool. you very much. It's an honor to be here. But now you've written a book about the American Revolution, which is a subject very dear to my heart, mm-hmm. and uh, here at Mount Vernon, very important. To our sense of uh, who we are and why we matter, uh, why did you move next to the revolution? With authors who work with agents and who publish trade books that sell, I always ask them, you know, how do you come up with your topics? And so I'm, I'm interested in that. Uh, you know, How did you move from what you were working on to the revolution? I
2: think it, uh, <coughs> it came out of um, my focus on the Dutch Enlightenment of the 17th century. Uh, so I came at it from the other side, in yeah. other words. Yeah. Uh, and doing that, being steeped into in that kind of intellectual world of the, the Dutch Enlightenment seeding the wider European Enlightenment mm-hmm. and American Enlightenment, I started I saw then as you move through the decades from the sixteen thirties into yeah. the seventeen sixties, um <clears throat> you see this force building, which has to do with some of the things we were just talking about, the rise of perspective a, a awareness, a focus on the individual and therefore individual rights. And and then you see it becoming this really complicated wave. And then from that perspective, it seemed to me, well, what the American leaders started to do in the 1760s is focus that wave mm-hmm. on political freedom, on the particular kind of political freedom. And what yeah. what if we did this? Uh, And so as soon as I thought of that, then I—and this is going back six or seven years—I had this notion, what if you were able to write a book about uh, the the American Revolution that kept this focus on the individual so that you looked at it with this sense of diversity, bringing together a a group of people from different backgrounds— And, again, just trying to tell their stories without making too much of an argument. That's what you say in here. You don't want to teach and preach. See, this is what Uh, I'm talking to myself. I want to tell six
1: stories of of, uh, of, of different folks as a way to understand. Yeah, but I wanted to pick people,
2: and and it took me a couple of years, because I wanted to pick people who crossed paths, who fit together in some way. So I wanted it to, because I, I... yeah, because right it's not structured around. It's not chapter on one person, exactly. chapter on another. It's interrelated, right. interconnected right. stories. And you know, the whole time I was, yeah. I had the idea while I assembled the people, and while I was working on, it, I was saying, yeah. "Does this work? I don't know." If, and I'm still saying, yeah, "Does yeah. this work or yeah. not?" Um, so uh, you know, you it's uh, maybe. I hope it's good to go out on a limb. It doesn't mean you're you know you're not going to fall off. But uh, but it's you know that's that was the objective. That if you picks people whose lives have enough either thematic overlap or actually, you know, they find themselves uh, in the same room at the same time, uh, then you can construct uh, one narrative out of six very different lives. Because realistically, certainly then and, and also now, people from very different strata yeah. would not... Uh, interact very
1: much. Well, and they they don't see themselves doing this, playing the well involved in the same kind of uh, story, I guess. So you know, everybody has their own story. Yeah. that we tell to you know give a sense of purpose to our lives. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's yeah,
2: but my job they, is to yeah. tell their story, which might be different from the way right. they would tell well, it. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, that's that's intriguing. So um, all right, so let's get into it then. So you have the six people. And maybe maybe you can, since it mm-hmm. took you a few years to figure out who who these people were going to be, um, I mean, uh, you know, maybe there's somebody who's on the cutting room floor that you were thinking of doing, too. That oh, yeah, there were a lot. To, there were more yeah. than a hundred who I was
2: like, you know, this... W- yeah. Well, I'll tell I mean, the, I, I, I thought from the beginning I would probably
1: have one founding father figure right. in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so that's a good question. So why end up with Washington? Because Washington is, you know, the famous guy, right, the right. indispensable
2: man. Right, He was the last one I chose. Yeah. And when I, was, and it was, uh, I'm you sure. they wanted Franklin or somebody. No, like you know, do you do. Uh, can I honestly liberal. tell you who my first, yeah. first choice was? Yeah, yeah. It was Hamilton. Oh, really? Be- and yeah. this tells you how long ago I had the and idea. The Be- care and part of man. my thought was yeah. Hamilton doesn't get enough attention. Yeah. So this, yeah. <laughs> well, so you know, you I'm glad I finger didn't finger on uh, the zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah right. Um yeah. So but then once I, you know I think I I just uh, avoided Washington if that's what I was doing subconsciously mm. because it was so obvious but mm. as soon as I did then it kind of all felt he's the one who interacts with the others and he yeah. and he's the one whose life goes right up the middle of the story. And yeah. So when I'm you know when you are with Venture Smith this whether in West Africa or in uh, rural Connecticut, this a mm-hmm. slave who frees himself. You, you're, I mean, it's happening at the same time. His story, but you wouldn't know that because mm-hmm. for the most part, he he is he is not concerning himself with that overtly. Right. But yeah. when you're with Washington, you know where you are vis a vis American yeah, you, history. You
0: have
1: a narrative arc with Washington yeah. that you can yeah. you can yeah. hope the book the story together. Yeah. But I also think that um, in the way you write about Washington, you you know you're. You're jumping back and forth in his life to his early mm-hmm. life on the on the frontier in the French and Indian War with yeah. Dinwiddie, you know, and you're jumping into the different battles and different yeah. politics of being Washington. Um, you know, I, I think for the the average reader, though, I mean they they're you know they're being exposed to Venture Smith who they've never heard of, mm-hmm. but they don't really know the story of Washington either. They know he's on the dollar bill and they know he's important, but they don't they don't know all the stuff that you're bringing
2: in I, there, that, you know? I think I, I, I hoped I mean I, I, I believed the same thing as well mm-hmm. and uh, I hoped that you would it would be doing a couple things you would be kind of in a way bringing him down to the human level because yeah. everybody's a human being struggling with the same basic yeah. things yeah. so demythicizing him mm-hmm. uh and then also, just basic, I mean, I didn't know that, you know, George and Martha used Spanish fly, and, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, there are things that uh, that jump yeah, out at you. of know. I mean, the I, I don't care. Yeah, well, as you one. spend like, it daily, as you're with the... Do we have
1: an encyclopedia article on that With guys? his, uh,
2: <laughs> uh, with his... Uh, uh, his his letters and his uh, account books and just all that stuff, you know, you just Mm. sit with it for a while and things, you know, jump out at you and Mm. you think, well, Mm -hmm. you know, I can do something with that. That's a nice, you know, and, and, and I guess the main thing I would say about Washington um, and, you know, I'm, I'm fully prepared for you to jump all over me for saying it is um, he's famously enigmatic Mm. and I kind of felt, that I after a while that I, I had an h- angle on him yeah. that I had a handle on him I got him a bit and, which is maybe dangerous to say about anybody um, but you know and to me it has yeah. to do with his childhood and his father's death and yeah. what that uh, his father dying when he was 11 and what that how that seemed to change or could have completely changed his life but he seems yeah. to have decided as a teenager I'm going to invent the life I've,
1: yeah. I've missed and I think that that notion of inventing inventing your life, you know, choosing a role you're going to play. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly crafting a life uh, from an early age. Mm-hmm. Now, I think you know how was at that, as an early age versus later, mm-hmm. you know, we we tend to project back a lot. I think. Right, but you right. know, when you talk about the early failures with Dinwiddie and some of the frustrations in the French and Indian War, you do see a much more human. Um, Character than, than a lot of the later stuff where he does you know it's harder to get at him I think, yeah you know? and I, what do you think
2: I uh, um, you know all the great books about Washington great biographies the one that really was most meaningful to me was Paul K Longmore's yeah. The invention
1: of George yeah Washington, that's great except he, it only goes to like yeah, 1723 when right? he, yeah. 70, 70 he stops 76. when he gets uh, yeah when great he gets his command on. basically yeah. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic book, and uh, it, because again, it looks like Washington, uh, the the idea of Washington, the the way he crafts himself, and also the way he's thought of, and, and it looks at his education and what books he's reading, and yeah, and long more than book.
2: relying on Breen,
1: yeah. and
2: this tobacco tobacco planter culture mm-hmm. and what that was and what honor was and what virtue was and how those things connected yeah. the inner and the outer. I mean you can see that in yeah. this then as you're reading the letters of this mature man whether he's arguing with his his agent in london or yeah. or sitting around with the lads at, at at the tavern or whatever he's um you see that 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 um the sense of having this inner thing called virtue and yeah. but the, but you need the outward trappings and then mm-hmm. you need the feedback that to yeah. i mean you know that 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 fits to me yeah. that 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 makes sense to me mm-hmm. um and as I say, it's you know I am not the kind of person who I think would ever undertake to write a full biography. Yeah. Um, so in a way, it's maybe safer to do
1: something like well, this you know, because you, well, the other book, this Island um, of the Center of the World book, is is bi- little biographies of people in particular. Well, like I like writing book. about people, yeah. and this is six people. But in
2: yeah. a way, you're you're you don't have the. I guess, burden of this book is this life. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, because lives have boring parts, too. You know? well, yeah, so
2: I, you get to cherry-pick the good well, stuff. Well, yeah, I think if you write a biography, <laughs> you can do that, right? I um, When I met um, David McCullough, uh, he said to me, you know, you should write biography. He was like, write biography, young man. And, yeah. Uh, right? And, uh, and, and, but I just knew, you know, to be the kind of person who can spend ten, year, ten years of your life get
0: living somebody, somebody else's skin, life.
2: That's yeah. yeah.
1: That's a whole... Well, try working at Mount Vernon. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an aspect of it that you you do you do you know you're inside this person's head or trying to get inside their head. So,
2: so to what extent yeah. are you? Is that the case? Because you're you know you're in the
1: world. You're doing other. Well, things. Well, yeah, I mean, but this. that's right. But our mission is to teach people about George Washington, his legacy, significance, everything right. about the estate, and we are running the estate as a historic site. We're preserving right. it, and so there's lots of challenges related to that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's the biographical.
2: Yeah, there's the context. biographical,
1: but really, here, it seems
2: to me, it's history, and that's mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Hi- because history is always new, which mm-hmm. is something I like to confuse people by saying. I mean, it's always new. It's not, the the stuff is the past, but the history has to do with who we are, and that's yeah. what you're constantly that's doing. Right. Exactly. How do
1: we, we this is, you, you're singing from my songbook, history is about the present, and yeah. you know, that's about... Yeah how we understand who we are and where we came from. And so that's yeah. why the questions we ask are always changing and why we rewrite our history all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and that's uh, what you're doing. Well, and what's time. great about a research center here now as well is it gives it that dynamism where right. you get lots of different people coming through here with their own questions that they're pursuing their own answers, which allow us to to use their energy to sort of rethink how we do things right. That's, right 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 it's crucial i think for historic sites in general to have that investment in or the very least awareness of the importance of research in you know continually researching as a way to make what you do relevant because yeah. if you're using the same biography that was written in Nineteen seventy-six. Mm-hmm. to Tell the story of George Washington. Then it's not Roman. Yeah. You know, it, it so is how just do you connect an old
2: book? So how? What's the in like maybe just in in your mind the connection yeah. or in your work the connection between the uh, the research center, the scholarship, and mm-hmm. the public side of it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think it, it very much informs the stories that we try to tell on the public side. Now, I think. There's a couple of things. One is always being aware of audience and sort of what is the audience that that is that you're trying to teach and you're trying to interact with. You're trying to make these stories relevant to because that might do with what platform they're going to want to you know experience the stories through. So you want to maybe have an interactive you know uh, electronic platform for younger kids, but you know you also just want to have ways to engage. Um, it also speaks to you know what is the uh, you know, what are the questions that we're, we're, we're asking of, of people to pursue when they're here, and are they the right questions? And I think, you know, uh, having a lot of different people come through in the research side, uh, it does allow you to be aware of alternative ways to, to focus on, uh, you know, uh, the familiar, mm-hmm. uh, which is here. But, you know, and then also there's the technical side of it, which is, you know, all the advances that we see in historic preservation and archaeology, in the, you know, cultural anthropology, and the way we can tell the stories of the enslaved in ways that you couldn't do 30 years ago, whether you wanted to or not. I right. mean, there's just been advances in the way that you can tell stories of people who don't have the traditional records of uh, of a George Washington, uh, you know, and, and the resources that we put into Developing those, making them available online, making you know, making them available for scholars, uh, organizing our archaeology, etc. I mean, you know, that that has a direct, tangible, immediate impact on what 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 we know. You know, mm-hmm. what we know sure. about people in the yeah. past. Yeah. So so there's the fact side of it, learning more about the folks, but then there's the the trappings of the context and how you. You know how you deploy it, and then ultimately, you know we have we have programs for teachers. We get, you know all over the country. We've got all our online stuff, and so you are you're always in this uh, feedback loop with the people who are consuming and learning and right. teaching this stuff sure. at the same time that we're trying to generate it. yeah so, so, it's so really I see it as a dynamism you know yeah. it gives yeah. us And a they life feed to, off of each other yeah yeah. And yeah that's you know so that's kind of airy fairy and you know metaphorical perhaps but that's you know what I see is that the research is the engine that keeps the place sort of really exciting right right, right. and that's yeah. I mean but you're now
2: I, I gather have Gravitated from the one to a position that encompasses yeah, all.
1: Yeah, I mean, but the, the biggest thing I have to do, I think, is uh, is help uh, educate the broader public about who Mount Vernon is right. and why we need their help. You know, mm-hmm. it's a fundraising challenge sure, as much sure. as anything because yeah. we don't take any government money and, and we don't make enough selling T-shirts to pay for all the research and all all the, you know, all the wood that has to be constantly taken care of in this, you know, 18th century house in Virginia that's falling apart all the time. So it's an expensive endeavor, but it's a very important one. And I think George Washington's story is as relevant as ever to, you know, for this country and who we are, but for the story of liberty throughout the world. I mean, he still is a, a story that people need to keep coming back to. I I mean,
2: you know, I don't think I appreciated when I started, when I said, okay, Washington. I'll I'll choose Washington as one of my (laughs) six. uh, How much uh, his story pertains to the whole mass of what was going on. I mean, in in a positive and negative way, what he was doing, what he was involved in, more than it seems to me, Adams, more mm-hmm. than Jefferson.
1: Well, yeah. uh, he was there at all the things, too, and you don't even carry your story through the presidency, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got a guy. No, I do. Yeah, uh, You do? Yeah, You're taking all the way through. Well, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't gotten through the yeah. book. Yeah,
2: yeah Angel, no. I, I, I yeah. start at birth and end at death and, yeah. and more or less go oh, for everyone okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. so you do, because yeah, Venture Smith I mean, dies in like, 1830 man. or something like that,
1: 36 mm-hmm. or something? Uh, no, Venture Smith dies uh, 1805, I think. Okay. Oh. yeah. Well, who does it in 1830? A corn planter the last one. Corn planter, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so anyway, then, yeah. I mean, he's there at all the things yeah. that define the sort of public side of the revolutionary birth of the United States of America, right. from the war to the Constitutional Convention to the presidency. So. Yeah. uh Whereas Adams and Jefferson weren't, and and really, you know, Franklin wasn't, and. Hamilton was in the war, but not in the same capacity. And in, either. I mean, the French and Indian were such a in vital French, part
2: exactly. of, I mean, that's, it's really all of a piece yeah. in a way that, you know, it's, it starts in the 1750s. A great ends. battle for the continent,
1: yeah. right, that begins yeah. in the Seven Years' War and ends, maybe it ends in 1815, you
2: know, Yeah, but it's right.
1: an extraordinary right. long tale of the creation of multiple new polities and the destruction of a lot of Native uh, you know lion sure, sure, sure so let's talk a little about some of the other characters then in the book uh-huh. um, briefly I think um, uh, corn planter how did you come to corn planter because some people might have chosen a Joseph Brandt. sure yeah or, I thought of, I thought of Molly Brant uh, yeah, I really
2: Brandt, was yeah. thinking about her but one of the uh, uh, criteria that I had was it has to be a life that is well documented pretty much from beginning to end. That's what I, you know. And, uh, yeah. you know, with someone like her, we know a lot about this piece and we know a lot about this piece and, you know. And there's a lot of myth yeah. Yeah, um, to figure out. And, uh, uh, but Corn Planter, in addition to being well documented and a fascinating uh, figure, mm. uh, you know the, the the main problem of writing about Native Americans is they didn't do the, the keep the uh, uh, written record, so you're getting it mediated. So yeah. all right from the start, if it's coming from a French source or um, an yeah. American, you know, um, with him there are a couple. Of his nephew, who was young and trailed around with him everywhere, then dictated his mm-hmm. life story to an Iroquois uh, mm-hmm. who spoke kind of pidgin who wrote it in kind of pigeon English. Mm-hmm. And it included a lot of corn planters. And then there are a couple of other things like that with him where you feel like a little bit closer to him. Uh, And then also he, you know, you just, I just find, I find that I have to, in a case like this, you have to find people that I, that you can kind of connect with. Yeah. And he is, he also defies that kind of, uh, uh, you know the, the the noble warrior. I'm not. He was a noble warrior in one way, but he was a complicated figure. Which, of course, many of them were. Most of us are. Yeah. But we have sources showing that with him, showing the complexity. And I think, in a way, in the, one of the points I make, actually showing where it may have come from, which has to do with the fact that his mother was a prominent Seneca woman. His father was a white man from upstate New York who was like this ne'er-do-well rum trader uh, who showed up in the village one day and then went off and was... And he repeatedly... Cornplanter returns to this, you know, this this pain of mm. not knowing... And, and, and he travels once a couple of hundred miles to confront this man mm. when he's old enough and says, you know, you're my father. Don't you <laughs> want to be in my life, basically? I mean, it's a very kind of, you know... Yeah. You don't think of people from that time, uh, certainly Native Americans... Needing that kind of psychological reinforcement, yeah. uh, and it's there in his in in the raw material. So that allows you to kind of create him as someone who represents a, a people that has all the complexities yeah. of any.
1: I do like that character a lot. I think mm-hmm. it comes out in the writing. You you and you you call him sort of a philosophical minded mm-hmm, mm-hmm. type
2: because he's. A, I think he's able to see. Uh, you know when they are, uh, you know they've uh, they've lost out over and over and over again, and the Iroquois are saying to him because they've appointed him here. You go negotiate with them, and then they don't like what he came what he came up with. Yeah. But he knows perfectly well, we're not going to turn back the clock 50 years. That's just not going to happen. And So,
1: you know, he has that kind of, um,
2: you know, he's a diplomat.
1: He's a very complicated and interesting figure in the year. I'm delighted that you wrote him up so well. And I think incorporating him into the story really well, um, he gets the corn planter grant. In upstate New York, I mean, he he personally ends up fairly
2: well. He's trying. I think at the end of his life, he's trying to, having seen his people get, you yeah. know, decimated. Uh, yeah, uh, he's trying to create a piece of ground for as many of his people as he can, and that's what that yeah. is, and that lasts for until the seven until the nineteen fifties, really.
1: I saw a manuscript mapped of of the Clinton Sullivan campaign in the hands of a private collector. Uh-huh. Only a few months ago that I didn't ever know existed. Huh. Um, yeah, you know, interesting. I got nothing else to tell you. It. <laughs> it, <laughs> so, was a, it, it was an amazing campaign. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we can't go. I don't think we're going to have time to go through all the characters, but they're extraordinary. Let's do um, what. What is her name? Uh, Margaret Moncrief. Uh, yeah, Moncrief. Yeah. So, wow. Where did you? Why? How did you decide on her? Of all well, the women again, of the age, she's yeah, the yeah one. I know. And I went. Be like, a lot eh, of them. I don't know about her.
2: Well, there were yeah. a couple of. Um, there were a couple of farm women who wrote diaries yeah. who I was, you know, thinking about, this is a more typical life, you know. Yeah. Uh, one problem I had, though, with someone like that is... Mary Silliman, right? With, well, with some of them, I mean, uh, the ones that appealed to me, and I can't think of their names right now because this was years ago, yeah. um, uh, there wasn't a whole, you know, like with Venture Smith, there's kind of a cottage industry of people who've been, they're archaeologists. Yeah, people studied read, yeah and well, and he's got descendants. His descendants, yeah. uh, who I'm Facebook yeah, friends yeah, with, traveled and, uh, uh, with. Yeah, to Africa with. That's um, amazing. So, uh, uh, you know, when you're doing this, again, this isn't a biography. I'm, I've got all these plates spinning, so I needed to rely on other people, so to, to yeah. fi- t- unearth someone, so to speak, and there's not a whole yeah. group of scholars around their work mm-hmm. who I can rely on. It's like, man, that's a lot of a lot yeah. of, leg, a yeah, lot of exactly. uh, I mean leg that's leg left a left. life that's a dissertation yeah, right yeah. right. so uh, Margaret Moncrief has been written about somewhat not a lot uh, she wrote her memoir which is the basis of it yeah. and um, and it's checkable it's very checkable yeah. you know I could see where she went wrong where she screwed up a date where she um, I can't check everything uh, but um, and it's you know, totally flamboyant. She mm-hmm. is such a character. And again, you know, if someone just leaps off the page and yeah. say, you know, kind of says, "Pick me!" Um, <laughs> uh, and and uh, like you know, she uh, she doesn't, you know, she certainly doesn't typify the American Revolution in any way. But the the core of her, what the trajectory of her life, happened because of the American Revolution. She ends up living out her life in London and in Paris mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, and she's sent off in this direction by virtue of this kind of bomb that yeah. explodes. And you know, when she's a teenager in New York, when the you know the Americans are in Lower Manhattan, and she's with Washington, and the British are amassing in Staten Island, and and uh, that's the that's the, the
1: what sets everything in motion for her. Yeah, the, the sort of domino effect that you know that happens when these great events. Play out, yeah. know, traumatic and destructive. You know? Sure, and how that yeah. plays out in different ways with one particular individual. Yeah. Now, yeah. Do you see her? Do you see her as a harbinger of a modern feminism? You know, no, you know? I, I, I,
2: don't. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, what I tried to do in the book, we're later in the book, where I'll just say a bit about, uh, you know, I, I, the, the few people who've written about her, I think, tended to be kind of dismissive in their language mm-hmm. towards her. Yeah. And I think, you know, why not give her the dignity of, you know, trying to do, trying to invent a life for yeah. herself the yeah. way
1: Washington was. Well, inventing a life and then trying to catalog that life. I mean, and writing then a memoir deciding is a very, very unusual it. thing.
2: and not anybody, only that, let but alone it's, a
1: woman. Not only that, yeah. it's a very racy
2: memoir. Yeah. And, you know, it, and when, <laughs> first when you're reading it, you're like, well, how is this possible? But then yeah. you realize, well, I'm thinking through, like, the Victorian age right. when this wouldn't have been possible. But she's is writing before that. So, when there was still, you know, yeah. things were still a little bit uh, freer that a woman could do this and name names and, and all the rest. Uh, well, let's well, one more. Let's talk about one more. So you choose. Uh, Abraham Yates is, um, you know, New Yorker. Uh, uh, yep, and uh, Stephen Belinsky, Steve Belinsky, in Albany, who's devoted his career to uh, mm. the people of Colonial Albany, and he put me onto Yates. And and Steve Belinsky started in the '70s. He had this idea to write a biography of Yates, and he didn't. Mm. Uh, but he has compiled these these file cabinets full of... I mean, Yates himself wrote massively. And, and Yates
1: said some of his notes from the convention exist, right, from the Constitutional Convention? Yeah, yeah, what? yeah. I mean, they weren't his,
2: but yeah, he got notes. He wasn't oh, okay. there. Yeah, um, he, I think they didn't They're allow him. Yeats in. notes. yeah, they yeah. want him there. <laughs> um, uh, his uh, his uh, nephew was okay. Um, okay. There were a lot of Yeats's, which uh, uh, confuses okay, things. So maybe but um, I'm confused then.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: um, but uh, you know, he's uh, interesting to me because he gives this other this sense of the class struggle that was going on. That again, you don't you don't get that story so clearly. And he, from the beginning. Was
1: but the class struggle has always been hard to integrate into the broader narrative? Right, strongly. right. There's some great books, like Ed Countryman's book in, mm-hmm,
0: yeah.
1: in New York, in particular, mm-hmm. that, that do a good job. But it's always difficult because it goes back to that old problem, you know, of like, is this a war for rule at home or home rule? Carl Becker's formulation, mm-hmm, right, right, right. But I think the way you do it with biography is a great way to do it. Because that's you know the way these things were lived. They weren't lived in these big strong well, that goes back mobilization to of a working of, class. Where, you know, it's not right. 19th century. Yeah. So what I was. Yeah. Yes. So in that yeah. sense, what I'm trying to do
2: by focusing on the people, and trying to stay with the people. Yeah. Is, you know, look, you don't have. You can get the. You can get the arguments <laughs> yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. But you know, but. The, 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 the structuring of it by by virtue of who I chose, and yeah. in this case, Yeats, because he, from the start, it seems, had this this um, bitterness, this this bitterness towards the elite, yeah. uh, which he immediately he, he he's you know focuses on, on the British, as starting in in the French and Indian War with the British uh, the military being mm-hmm. based in Albany. Mm. And uh, then as soon as the Revolutionary War is over, he switches and he turns it on the American elite, you know. And Mm. Hamilton, in particular, his fellow New Yorker, whom he despised. They hated each other, clearly. Mm. Um, So he then, I think, nicely represents this kind of class distinction and Mm. then this, you know, the the, the fear that people had for the Constitution, for
1: this notion of a federal system. Yeah, so a real strong populist strain in right. Yates. Do you see Yates as a, on the right or the left side of the uh, don't spectrum? Don't you think
2: that the, these, I mean, the populism springs up, I mean, on even the in the side. past couple of years, it, yeah. it, it kind of shifted from the
1: right to the left or well, something? yeah, I mean, yeah. Trump and Sanders are clearly, yeah. you know, yeah. two sides of the same coin. Right, so and they had fear of big government, fear of big corporations, right, fear of cat elites taking over everything. and especially fear of big government when the other one is in power yeah, you know, that's yeah. The, you especially know. yeah the establishment you know the 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 corrupt establishment is yeah. you know the that's sort of a common American populist sort of strain yeah yeah,
2: yeah. so I think populism throughout I mean it it, yeah. it it veers from one from left to right
1: what's uh, a character that you couldn't do that you were really close to doing uh, well
2: I told you Hamilton um, I had, uh, um, there, were, there were several, uh, different, I knew, I mean, you know, I didn't start with a notion of, uh, you know, I have to have uh, this kind of person, this kind of person, but I knew I had to have one slave for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were two or three that really interested me but uh, again I didn't have enough, enough um, there yeah enough you don't have enough time in the
1: in the world to rediscover
2: everything whereas uh venture Smith um, you know again he wrote this um really nice yeah great memoir yeah you know. yeah I would th- I think Molly Molly brandt is the uh is yeah. the one who I was really close with and didn't yeah. want to and then was
1: hard to let go well congratulations it's a fantastic book uh, I've only gotten about halfway through it um but it's got great blurbs you have got one from Howard Feynman which says something like if uh Spielberg wrote history this is what it would be like so well, that just uh, shows you Howard <laughs> Feynman knows how to write a blurb <laughs> well that's right that's yeah. what you need though sometimes yeah. so uh, as we close off what uh, do you want to give anybody a hint of what's next uh, on I, your well, on your hit list here i'll, I'll tell you uh yeah i my, my next book
2: uh i know exactly what it is because i thought it was i would get, was going to write it before this one um I'm from uh, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and um, my grandfather from and Johnstown Flood, Pennsylvania. That's right. Yeah. And uh, my grandfather and his brother-in-law ran the mob there <laughs> in the post-war, in sort of mid 20th century. Yeah. And I've been hanging out with the old boys in town, and I've got. It's a small-town mob story, which is also yeah, me searching for my namesake. I was named after him, and uh, huh. so that's it's a it's. And I'm re- learning that you know family-related history. You're using all the same muscles that you use with history, but then there's this other layer, you know, yeah. where, you know, like, how do I... You know, you're interviewing people, and which is different from when you're writing about the revolution, mm. and, uh, and um, you know, it's like, you know, I want to get at this, but what's the right... Re- you know, you, there's this yeah. family psychology thing going on, too. Interesting. And then you talk to someone else. How do you think is the best way for me to... You know? Yeah. So there are a lot of the people... A lot of people want me to do it and are interested and then there are some people who don't and they mm-hmm. haven't. Are those people in your family mostly? <laughs> some are and some are not because they're not all literally in my family exactly. but uh, yeah some are in my family and um, mm-hmm. and they'll talk but then they'll kind of skirt around you know so that's the you know there's another kind of dance you're doing there mm-hmm. you know you're figuring out how do I get in there and uh, you know but it's ultimately though it's 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 a story about people it's not you know I'm not writing a mob story. I'm not like giving you the history of the mafia or anything like that. No, it's that's a, too bad. Then it would be made into a movie, right? A so, team. so I think ultimately <laughs> it has to have that grounding, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's yeah, it's interesting because it's uh, a lot of the same tools that you use when yeah. writing any history, but then there's this other kind of layer of difficulty. Yeah,
1: there's a kind of a self-discovery memoir aspect to this. Yeah, it, I think so it has to be. It's autobiographical in that yeah. way. Yeah. Well, well, good luck with that, and uh, congratulations yeah. on this book. Thank and, you. Uh, thank, look thank you again to for having me. So, yeah. uh, Thanks for being here. Yep, thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations at the Washington Library. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.